This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. church, whether you're here on campus or joining us online, it's so good to be worshiping the Lord together today. Uh, family update for me, my wife Sarah and I just recently celebrated our 16th anniversary. I have, throughout my life, I've had to make a lot of decisions, haven't made every one of them. That was a great one, but saying, Sarah, will you please marry me was the best decision <laughs> for me. And a few years into our marriage, our first daughter was actually born on our anniversary, which is pretty cool. And so a, a new stage of life for us is we have our first teenager in the house. So prayers are accepted for my teenage daughter and for us as parents. Parenting's that crazy thing that it's the most important thing we'll ever do and we all start with zero experience. So all the prayers are (laughs) expected and appreciated. Thank you so much for that. Um, So happy to be ministering the word today. We've been in this series on mountain moving prayers. And there's been some incredible moments over the past several weeks of, as different communicators have shared from their heart what mountain moving prayers have looked like in their story. And I'm excited today to share about mountain moving prayers. And I know when we're on the subject of prayer, it's easy for some of us to just kind of check out because we're like, no, prayer is that thing that like the prayer warrior grandma does or grandpa does. It's that super spiritual person that's able to do that. And I want to encourage you today that you don't have to be a super Christian to pray. And there's a lot of different kinds of prayer. Now, I'll walk you through a little history of prayer for me is uh, in high school and days like that, there's what you call the napkin prayer. This is the beginner kind of prayer. It's when you, you know, you're at a meal and you know you should thank the Lord for your food, but you don't know about the people around you. So you, you kind of take your napkin and you brush it off the table and you go, thank you, Jesus, for this food. Uh, Prayer, check, got it, nailed it, doing good. Um, other people, when they go to prayer, uh, another prayer that we, we all probably have prayed at some point in our life is when we're going through a difficult season or a difficult moment, we just cry out to heaven and say, God, where are you? Uh, other prayers that people do are the more like when you're frustrated with somebody, but you know you're a Christian, so you know you should pray for them. You're like, I'm about to pray for you. Um, and you almost say it like a threat, and you're like, I'm about to pray for you, you just wait. <laughs> wait till you see what God does in your life and changes you. Uh, we've all been in, in that place. There's a pontificating King James Version prayers that, that people have prayed up to heaven and just, uh, God, thank you if that, for your blessedness, and they just go on and on, and they use all these huge words, and you're like, oh, that was a great word that you just spaketh. Um, it's kind of funny. It's okay to laugh, church. Uh, there's passive-aggressive prayers where you just go into it and you're like, yeah, God, thank you so much, Lord, that I'm not like that guy over there. <laughs> I thought my life was bad till I saw him, and I'm just thankful, God, that like, my situation's better than that. And so there's, listen, there's all these different kinds of prayers, and then there's these mountain-moving prayers that we're talking about that we call on the God of the universe, and we say, God, there's something that seems impossible in my life, in my world, in the story of one of my friends or family members or coworkers, and God, I'm going to call out to you, and I'm going to ask you to do the impossible. I'm going to ask you to move that mountain in their life or in my life or in the world right now. 
And those are the prayers that we're talking about in this series. And those can seem like intimidating prayers that only the qualified Christian can pray. But I want to encourage you that everybody in this room, everybody online, you can pray prayers that move mountains. And today I want to talk about a a prayer that wouldn't normally seem like a mountain-moving prayer, but in the climate of our world today, I believe that it is. I want to talk about prayers that refresh the soul. You see, normally we're, we would be a little bit better at this, but each person in our world right now and each person in our context is carrying extra weight. We're carrying extra burdens. We're carrying stress that we didn't used to carry about the unknown. And we have this burden of perfection and we feel like our society around us is only gonna embrace us if we just say the perfect thing or act the perfect way and then it feels like the target for what that perfection is keeps moving around and it, it's hard and, and not on top of it being difficult to just hit that mark. All of the places we used to go to even, maybe they didn't replenish our soul but they just brought us a moment of like mental vacation, have kind of been shaken away in the last few months. And so if we used to go and go, you know what, I just need a break, I'm gonna go watch a movie or something, well the theater's closed. If we had the idea that, you know what, I'll just, I'll just go on social media, maybe just Instagram where it's less opinions and people are just posting beauty, whether it's like a landscape or it's my friends having a good time together, I'll go check that out. It'll, it'll be a mental break. That's, that's not the same anymore. Maybe you're a group fitness person. You're like, I'm going to go to the gym, work out with my crew. It's going to be good. That's different now. Uh, maybe it was your workplace where you're like, I'm going to just shoulder to shoulder, get together with the people that I labor with and we have a good time and now that feels different. So many people have been working remote. And so the places we've gone to for even just breaks, even if they didn't totally replenish or restore or refresh us, they've all kind of been shaken. For me, I love sports and I, <laughs> the, there's, there's this like uh, moment in March where I caught myself, I was on ESPN and I knew that there weren't any like live sports that interested me, uh, but they had live sports on there and call it what, if it's sport or not, you can argue it later, but they had the, these people playing the bag toss game like cornhole and that was what ESPN, that was like the best they could offer and I was like, oh, this isn't gonna work for me. <laughs> and just a couple weeks ago was the first time I watched a live sporting event and our soccer team for the MLS restarted there in Orlando right now, playing games without crowds, without fans. And I was watching Minnesota United play uh, in a match against this team, and it was a late, later game. And if you don't know much about soccer, it's kind of weird. The clock, instead of counting down, counts up. I don't understand why they do that, but it's the way it works. And we were down one goal to zero, which is, you know, in soccer, there's like 10 minutes left in the game, not a lot of hope that we'd actually come back and win the game or anything. And I was hoping like, hey, this is kind of like my moment, it's my return to sports, maybe I'll find some fulfillment in this. Well, long story short, I'm watching, we end up scoring a goal tying the game, and I'm like, hey, this is kind of cool. And I'm like looking around the house, I'm watching the game alone in the living room, there's no one to like celebrate it with, it didn't feel so great kind of what I was hoping it would feel like. And then we actually went and we scored another goal in one of the last minutes of the game to take a 2-1 lead. We are going to win this game, and the TV was like silent, like crickets, literal cricket things in Florida. That's all you could hear. And I'm thinking, well, maybe there's, there's no one in the living room. My wife's vacuuming, and I'm like, this is the most anticlimactic, unfulfilling win in sports I've ever experienced in my life. And it just showed me though that, that you know what, the places we went to for refreshing, mental breaks, vacations are all gone and so we're in the spot of like how do we refresh our soul? 
in the psalmist talks about a, a land that's parched and weary and thirsty for water. <laughs> I, I have this mental picture in my head of what dry and arid land looks like, like a desert, and to be walking through it. And how many of you know what happens if you're walking through a desert is you eventually get sunburned on your skin? And how many of you know what happens when you get sunburned? You get sensitive and you get more irritable. And we're living in a day and age where people are a lot more sensitive and a lot more irritable, and we don't have our normal outlet for re refreshing. But there's good news. You see, our souls do need refreshing and they do need replenishment, and God knows this, and we can find that God can do what seems to be impossible in our world today inside of us, and he can refresh our soul. And the good life, the joy-filled life, is actually offered in God. No matter what's going on externally, God offers us refreshing, replenishment, and joy internally. Psalm 1611 says this, you make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. God makes known to us the path of life and he fills us with joy in his presence. So the first thing that we have to make a mental note of, where do we go to find refreshing and where do we go to find replenishment? It's not in the world around us. It's in the Lord and it's in his presence. And we set ourselves apart and say, God, I'm gonna step into your presence and he promises he'll fill us with joy. Proverbs 16.20 says, those who listen to instruction will prosper and those who trust the Lord will be joyful. Friends, this is a promise in the scripture. It's not a maybe, it's not a perhaps, it's not a well, that could or couldn't happen. Proverbs tells us that those who listen to instruction will prosper and those who trust in the Lord will be joyful. And just like the first verse I read, the key was being in the presence of God, in this verse, the key is trusting in the Lord. Because if we trust in all these other things to refresh us and renew us, restore us, replenish us, and to bring joy to us, we're going to be left wanting. But if we trust in the Lord, we will be joyful. In the New Testament, in Galatians, it talks about what the Spirit of God that God has put inside of each believer does inside of us. And it produces good things in us. And the scripture refers to it as fruit or evidence or the, the, what the Spirit produces. In Galatians 5.22, it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You see, the, the fruit or the evidence of the Spirit, what that produces in our life, it's, it's not a buffet. How many of you remember buffets? You know, you'd walk up to the thing and there'd be all the different kinds of food and you could pick what you wanted and just fill your plate. The fruit of the Spirit is different than that. It's you show up with the Lord, you have your plate and he puts it all on there. You get all of it. And so the beauty of that is we have a life that God has given to us that's full of the Spirit and when we're walking in the Spirit, that produces inside of us uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the, there's a fruit of the Spirit that is joy. And I'm so excited about that, and I love it, because the fruit, this is something I want to I just teach you really quick, because we use fruit for consumption. That's how we understand fruit. I love all sorts of fruits, and I love to eat them, and that's what we think their, their primary purpose is, is to fill our tummies. But the reality in nature is fruit has a different purpose. Fruit in nature isn't created so that <laughs> I can just eat from the tree, Within the apple, there's a seed. And the fruit that surrounds the seed, 
is actually created to protect the seed so that the seed doesn't just grow on the tree, get weathered, or fall to the ground without any protection, fall and die. No, the, the fruit actually protects the seed so that when the apple falls to the ground, that seed has a chance to germinate into the ground that there might be another apple tree. And I want to I challenge and encourage you today that as believers in Christ, the fruit of the Spirit in us isn't just so that we can have another helping of joy and have another helping of love and peace and patience and that we can have all that for ourselves, but the fruit of the Spirit in our life modeled out, lived out, protects the message that we carry. You understand that the gospel message, the good news about Jesus, the thing that we should talk about more than we talk about any other thing inside of us is protected by the fruit of the Spirit. Because when we're living a life that's full of love in a world that people are at odds with each other, people are frustrated with each other, nobody seems to be getting along, and you can walk with love and peace, oh, that's attractive. When the world around us is distraught and they don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, and they're, they're at their wit's end with life, and you have joy, boy, that, that's attractive. And all of a sudden, people are interested in the message that you carry because the fruit of your life is appealing. And so I want to challenge you as a church during these days to allow the fruit of the Spirit to, come at, to work inside of you and flow out of you so that the message you carry is appealing and attractive to people who haven't heard about Jesus yet. Your Proverbs 15.3 says, tells us what happens. So the Spirit of God produces joy in us. And when we trust the Lord and we're in his presence, it produces joy in us. And Proverbs goes a step further to what that looks like physically embodied. In Proverbs 15.3, it says this, a glad heart makes a happy face. So if the Spirit of God's at work inside of you, there's joy that's being produced. Proverbs tells us that a glad heart makes a happy face. And if you're confused about what a happy face looks like, I got you covered today, it looks like this. Everybody practice it. Let me see your happy face. That happy face is representative of the joy that's in your heart physically manifesting itself in your body. And so if there's joy, it results in a happy face. So it's easy uh, to quiz yourself, hey, is there joy going on? Because if there is, it's causing a happy face. And there's this moment in, in uh, Timberwolves, Minnesota Timberwolves history that I love. Several years ago, we, we signed this player from Spain. His name was Ricky Rubio. He was kind of a teenage phenomenon and just has a joy in the way he plays the game with flair and kind of excitement. And at the same time as he was on our team, we had this player named Alexei Shved who came over from Russia to join the team. And Ricky knew that Alexei had always wanted to play in Madison Square Garden in New York. It was a dream of his to play on national TV in the NBA in New York. And the Timberwolves are playing a game in New York, and Alexei made some mistake. He turned the ball over, and he was just really frustrated and down on himself. And he was li- but at the same time, it's like he's living out his dream, and he lost sight of it. And so uh, captured on TNT, mic'd up, Ricky walks up to him, and Ricky has just uh, this, like, infectious joy to him, and he just goes, Alexi, change his face, be happy, enjoy. Friends, I want to tell you something. The same God who raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of each and every one of you. You've been adopted as a child of God, and can I just say to you today, be happy, change this face, enjoy. There's nothing the world can throw at you that can steal that joy because God is good and he's with us and he's in us. 
So how do we get there? How do we get to this place where we're, we're refreshing ourselves in prayer? I want to read Colossians 3, 14 through 16. It says this, Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. If you didn't capture it in this, this, these couple of verses, I want to I wanna tell you that in the New Testament, when you read through the Gospels and then you get through the Gospels into the other part of the New Testament, every author, no matter what they're dealing with, they always point everybody back to Jesus. If they're talking about marriage, husbands love your wives like what? Like Christ loved the church. It, no matter what they're going through, they're always pointing people to Jesus, and there's a reason for it, because when our eyes are fixed on Jesus... We're not distracted by the physical things in the world around us because the world's trying to distract us and make us think that we're not fighting a spiritual battle, that it's not spiritual warfare. The world's trying to get us caught up in all these other things. What we need to be caught up in is Jesus. The world wants our message to be all sorts of stuff, but our message that we should carry should be Jesus. And the reason it's Jesus is this, is because we've been united with him. We have union with him. We're one with him. In the New Testament, we find literally hundreds of references to believers' union with Christ. To cite merely a few, believers are created in Christ, crucified with him, buried with him, baptized into Christ in his death, united with him in his resurrection, and seated with him in the heavenly places. Christ is formed in believers. He dwells in our hearts. The church is the body of Christ. Christ is in us and we are in him. The church is one flesh with Christ and believers gain Christ and are found in him. So I don't know if you're catching it yet, but we're one with Jesus. Gee, we've been buried with him, baptized with him, raised to new life with him. We're joined with him. He shares his life with us. We share our life with him. Furthermore, in Christ, we're justified. That's a simple word, a kind of big word that just means in Christ, we're made to be just like we've never sinned. We, Christ shares his glory with us. He sets us apart. He calls us. He makes us alive. He creates us anew. He adopts us as his sons and his daughters. That's just a few of them. And what I want you to catch and what I'm saying to you today is this. We're joined together with Christ Jesus. And we refresh our soul when we stop turning to other things, other places, other outlets to re refresh us and replenish our soul. And we start replenishing our soul when we step into the presence of God because Jesus made a way for us to do that. And Jesus is with us and he's joined together with us. And we can celebrate and we can be joyful because he's made us new. We don't, we're, not, we're not caught up in things as people without hope, but we have hope in Jesus. One thing that I like to do during the day is no matter what's going on, if I feel you know, the weight of the world is coming in, I just take a moment and I pause. And I give a 60-second silence. And I redirect my mind back to Jesus. And I remember that Jesus is with me. And I remember that the Spirit of God is inside of me. And I meditate on him for a moment, and then I go back to the day. And sometimes that, that goes longer than 60 seconds. Sometimes it's a few minutes. But I want to encourage you, if you want a useful tool in refreshing yourself any time during the day, you just take 60 seconds, quiet your soul, reflect on Jesus. Uh, another thing that w is a good practice for us is to live in the present. There's two equal opposite temptations that we fall into. And I, I'll explain what I mean by that. There's an equal opposite temptation 
to project future doom and gloom and think the worst case scenario possible and worry, or there's this potential for us to project blessing in a future date at a certain time. And both of them are, are, a little bit, are, are not a little bit, they're flawed, and I'll explain it this way. <clears throat> right now, a lot of times, it's tempting for us to go, you know what, down the road at the end of the pandemic, that's when God's really going to pour out his blessing. That's when God's going to do things in me when, when the pandemic's over, we're not talking about COVID anymore, everyone's back to their life, that's when God's going to move. Or we think, you know what, after November, after elections are done, everything's going to be good. Or we think, you know what, once everyone in the world starts thinking more like me and agrees with my philosophy of life, then I'm going to step in the blessing of God and he's going to pour out his blessing on me. Well, friends, the, the, the good news for us today is actually that the only place that we're joined together with God in all of eternity is the place we currently are in this present day. And so today's the day that we actually get to step inside of God's blessing. Today's the day that we get to walk in his favor. Today's the day that we get to experience the goodness and the mercies of the Lord. And his mercies are renewed every single day. And it's not some future date. It's today. Today's the day where we get to experience everything that God has for us. Not some future date where we aren't there yet. The other side of this is just as dangerous as that we worry so much that if things don't go the way I think they should, the future is going to be bleak and ugly and bad and blah, blah, blah. And we worry ourselves and we start thinking about how bad things are going to be. Jesus actually spoke to this and he asked this question. He said, what do we gain by worrying about tomorrow? What do we gain? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Think about all the worries we worry. Think about the amount of time we spend worrying. Think about the minutes and hours and days we give to worry. And Jesus would say, can any of that give you a single moment? And the answer is no. Matthew 6.34 says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own troubles. Today's trouble is enough for today. Psalm 118, 24, the psalmist says it this way. He said, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I want to encourage you and challenge you as a church. Let's focus on today. Let's take today's worries, today's troubles today. Let's walk with the Lord in his presence today. Because this is the day the Lord has made. This is the day. This is the day where we're alive, united with Christ, united with God. Today's the day. And so we can rejoice in it and be glad in it. And that means that we're praising God. Thank you, God, that you gave me life today. Thank you, Lord, that you put breath in my lungs today. Thank you, Lord, that I can walk today. Thank you, Lord, that I can shine your light to the people around me today. Thank you, Lord, that I don't have to live without hope. God, thank you. Thank you today that I don't have to live just with all the burdens of the world, but that I have peace in my soul because of you. Thank you, Lord, that I have joy in my heart because of you. And today we get to live today and be blessed in today. The last thing I want to share on this, or second to last, is we can reach out to God in prayer. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is talking to people that are around him in this moment, and he says this to him. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Can I just tell you right now, this is one of the things that just separates Jesus from every other religion, every other ideology out there that says, no, you have to do a lot to attain a certain level of perfection or goodness on your own. 
the burden that we feel of perfection, the burden that we feel in life, the weight that we feel in life, Jesus says, no, 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 come to me and give it to me. I'm gentle and I'm humble and I'll give you rest for your souls. That's the goodness of Jesus, that he invites us to come with all of our burdens, with all of the weight of the world, all of the things that cause us just to shrink back under, under their pressure. And Jesus says, no, 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 don't, don't back away. Actually, take those things off your shoulders. Put them at my feet. Come to me because I, I give you rest. And that's how good Jesus is. And for us, we just simply need to acknowledge that he's what we need. He's what our souls are actually crying out for. Going back to Psalm 63, it says, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. Capture the heart of that. Listen. I like to eat, I like good food, and this psalm is so true because Jesus satisfies us more than the best food. Jesus satisfies us when our souls are thirsty, when we can't get a respite. Jesus says he'll satisfy us. The scripture says that streams of living water come out from Jesus, and they water a dry and weary soul. And so today my encouragement for us is to lean in to Jesus. And I understand that as we're on this journey and as we're walking, there's people in this room where you've been coming to church your whole entire life. Some of you feel like you were born on the front row of church. Others, it's your first time in church and you're like, this is all new for you. And the reality is that sometimes in life we get stuck. We end up in a spot where we didn't plan on on ending up and all of a sudden we're stuck and we're not sure where to go from there. When Sarah and I were celebrating our anniversary a couple weeks ago, we took a day trip, not a day trip, we were up in Duluth for a couple days. And the first stop we made was at Gooseberry Falls. If you haven't been to Gooseberry Falls, it's beautiful. These waterfalls are, are gorgeous, and people are playing in the water and all this stuff. And um, you remember when Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge was here a couple weeks ago, Richard and Lynette Sherber. Lynette told me, Ben, you have to go down to the right. There's this trail that leads you. And, and so I'm like listening. How many you know when an elder gives you advice, you just take it. And you go, okay, she, she knows. So I walk, Sarah and I walked this path, and we got to this spot where the this little stream opens up into Lake Superior, and it's just beautiful. And we're looking over at the beach, and we're looking at this rock face, and we're like, just God's creation is amazing. And then something strange happened. (laughs) Somebody on the beach was shouting to somebody up on this rock kind of face, and I'm like, well, that's strange, because they're asking questions like, are you okay? Yeah. What's your name? I'm going to leave it out because this is online. And so the person shouting back, you know, talking to this person on the beach. And what had happened was is some young lady uh, went on a, a, a little hike and thought that she could climb to the top of this little, like, cliff. And what she discovered was about two-thirds of the way up is she couldn't go any further. And she couldn't go back down. And I did what most of us would probably do as I watched. Because listen, I'm not qualified to go and rescue her. And if I went to try to go rescue her, there would have been two of us sitting there going, my name's Ben and I need help. (laughs) Somebody help me. (laughs) And so what happened was they're shouting back and forth to each other. 
And pretty soon there's this guy, a, a park ranger, who he tries to climb up the hill, and he gets part of the way up, and he ends up, he's able to climb it, but in a different direction, and he can't work his way up to her. And so what happened was there was a search and rescue that came. I was just captivated by it. Because what had to happen for this lady to get rescued, one, she had to call out for help. Two, the rescuer had to start at the top and lower himself down to where she was, connect with her, and bring her to the top with him. And I thought, you know what, isn't that like Jesus? Who was sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and God saw us and heard our cry for help, and he sent his son Jesus to come and take on our form as people, lowered himself, emptied himself in so many ways, gave up so much so that he could live amongst us. And he lived in perfection and he ended up giving up his life so that each one of us could experience new life, so that each one of us could come to him and cast our burdens on him, so that each one of us could come and, and find hope and peace and joy in him. And the reality is there's times where we go about our life, right? And for someone who's never had a relationship with God, it's normal. You're trying to do your thing. You're trying to live your life, make an identity for yourself, be accepted by others, live a life that's fulfilling for you. And you just find yourself in this place. And I believe that today there's people that are with us on campus and online that you found yourself in a place where you're stuck. You realize you've tried to climb it and you can't. And you're in a spot where you don't know what to do. I wanna encourage you today that if you cry out to God, he'll come and rescue you. So I want us all to just close our eyes for a moment in the room and take a moment and look at our soul. Today I believe that if you call upon the Lord that you will be saved, that you can encounter forgiveness for wrong choices, that you can encounter the identity that God created for you to have, that you can encounter hope and peace and joy and today, under the sound of my voice, if looking inward, you'd be honest and you'd say, yeah, I need to call out to God today because I need rescuing. And you want to be in a relationship with God today, united with Jesus, I just want you to put your hand up in there because I want to pray for you in a minute. Let's go ahead and take a minute. Put your hand up. Thank you. There's hands up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Would you just repeat this prayer after me? And I'm going to ask everyone to join in. Heavenly Father, Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for rescuing me. I confess that I've made choices that haven't been good for me and that have been dishonoring to you. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin today. And I ask you to make me new today. And I ask you to fill me with your spirit today and give me your joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. To learn more about the many ministry opportunities we have throughout the week, be sure to check out emmanuelcc.org.